Last week, I told you about my buddy. He, um, he builds airplane engines, and I told you he worked for Boeing. He actually doesn't work for Boeing. He works for GE. So he, he creates and builds these airplane engines for GE, and then, of course, Boeing spends billions of dollars on these airplane engines. You know, I told you last week, I said that his wife said, you don't ever want to fly with him because, you know, at 35,000 feet, he's telling you everything that's wrong with the engine as he looks out the window. So you don't want to know that kind of, of information. But one day we were sitting down, we were having coffee, and, and I asked him, I was like, hey, um, give me a little bit of inside information here. What's the smallest part on an airplane engine that can make the, the biggest impact? It didn't take him very long, and he said, there's this self-locking nut that they put on the airplane engines. And he said, in fact, this is the same kind of nut you find in all kinds of different places. But, but he said this self-locking nut is so important because it, it holds everything together. And he said it's all over the engine. As we were talking, he said uh, the problem is with this self-locking nut, if, if there's any vibration because it gets loose, then it can cause issues with the engine. It'll let air leak all over the place, which makes the engine not be as efficient as it should be. And he said, not only that, but if these vibrations start and they get too, too much, then that, that nut could break. And he said, then you're not just talking about one nut. You're talking probably about pieces of this nut just kind of flying all over inside the plane engine. And more than likely, it's going to hit a blade and it's going to chip a blade. And he said, at this point, the problems have compounded to this place that you're probably going to have engine failure. And you're going to hope in that moment that you've got a great pilot up in the cockpit. I was like, I'm never asking anybody who builds airplane engines any questions again. I don't want to know anything. I just want to be in the plane, act like nothing's happening, and we're good to go. I think here was his point. Small things can make a big difference. Today, we continue our series called TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. Thank God it's Monday. We're all excited about Friday. We're looking forward to Friday. And so we forget about Monday. And Monday's a hard day because right now you're thinking about what that's going to look like for you in the morning. That's why 70% of us are frustrated with our jobs. We leave our jobs every 4.4 years. We have 10 jobs by the time that we're 40 years old. We struggle when it comes to work. And so this series is all about work. Whatever work that may be, whether that's in an office, whether that's telecommuting, whether that's traveling, whether it's home, being a stay-at-home parent, whatever it may be, we all kind of struggle with Mondays. And so over the past few weeks, we've been talking about these different aspects of our work world. First week we talked about the frustrations that we had and, and we said, hey, here's the big deal. In the end, God can use us to bless the people that we're around on a consistent basis. Are we allowing God to do that? And then last week we, we used M&Ms and we talked about the balance, really the imbalance we have between work and the rest of our life and is there some way to bring some semblance of balance into our lives? And so we, we talked about some ideas of how we can make that happen. And this morning, we're gonna talk about small things. Because small things can make a big difference in our work life. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 is where we're going to spend our time this morning. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the seats in front of you. Feel free to grab one of those. In fact, if you don't have a Bible at home, it's torn up, you know somebody needs a Bible, take those with you. They're free, our gift to you. We'll put it up on the screen. Uh, if you have a Journey Church app, you can follow along there and take notes. Uh, and then also on your program, you can take notes there today too. Now, some of you, we're going to start reading this. You're like, didn't we talk about this not too long ago? And we did. All right. We had a breathing room series and we talked about money and finances, but we're not talking about that today. There's another piece to this that I think is so applicable to our work world. Here's what it says. Luke chapter 16, starting with verse 1. Jesus told his disciples... 
there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. We have this rich man who owns an estate, it seems like, and seems to be very wealthy. He's got a business manager who works for him. This business manager is in charge of the property. He's in charge of the finances. Well, he hasn't done his job very well. And so here's this business manager where the manager or the owner comes to him and is like, hey, time's up, buddy. <laughs> you're done. I mean, you're losing me money, gobs and gobs of money. And so I'm going to fire you. But before I get rid of you, I need you to go to all of my accounts and I need you to deal with them. I need you to find out what do people owe so I can have a good accounting as I move forward. Look at verse three. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master has taken away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. This guy does what I think many of us do when we start looking for a new job, self-evaluation, right? When we're looking for a job, we're putting our resume together. We're like, these are the things I do really well. These are the things I'm not very good at. And then we lie, right? And we're like, I'm just going to move this around a little bit. He's doing the exact same thing. He's self-evaluating it. And as he's doing this, he's looking at his body and he's like, soft hands, no muscles. Hey, I can't dig any wells. I can't do any manual labor. Begging is beneath me. He says, I got a plan. I think I know how I can make this work for me in such a way that I can have what I'm looking for, that when my job ends, I'm gonna have people who are like, hey, why don't you come and work with me? Look at the next verse here, verse five. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. What we see here is this manager goes in and he reduces the bills. Now, we don't know if he takes it back to the debt level it was before. We don't know if he takes out his commission. We're not real sure what he does here. But whatever the case, he goes in and he says, I'm going to erase some of your debt. Now, based on the olive oil and the wheat and the amounts, this isn't a little sum of money. This is big bucks. These are large amounts that are owed back to this particular owner and so this manager says if I play my cards right this is going to look like a favor to the people that owe him money and again if I do this then maybe they'll give me a job when I'm finished with this one look at verse 8 the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light I tell you use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. This owner, here's what happens. He's like, you got me. You outfoxed me. I mean, you, you, you literally, you outsmarted me. Now, the reality is he's probably a little bit happy about this because with these large amounts of money, it seems like they weren't really paying back their debt. So now this lower payment, maybe they're at this place like, hey, we're gonna start paying you back. And so this income is beginning to come into this guy's 
bank account. Now, how did he get here? It's still the manager's fault, right? I mean, he's the one that was lazy. He's the one that caused this neglect. He's the one that has caused all this situation. He's still fired, but there's still this part of this, this, this owner that's, that's kind of into what he has, has done and thinking, well, you, you, you've got me here. As we read those lines, though, here, um, please note that Jesus isn't actually endorsing this action. Jesus' point is there's a difference between those who follow me and those that are seeking wealth and riches in their own life. He says there's a difference between the two. I'm not, I'm not endorsing this. And, and then Jesus gives us some, what I'm going to call some incredible career advice in verse 10. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? I know we can see that, and you're thinking, well, what is this advice here? I just want you to think about Jesus for a moment, because when we think about Jesus, we picture him here in these last three plus years of his life, right? And we, because we've got a lot of information uh, about Jesus. But, but, but go back in the story a little bit. He's got an earthly father, a guy named Joseph, who is a carpenter. And so what trade does Jesus learn? He doesn't really have a choice. I'm a carpenter, you've got to be a carpenter. And so he, Joseph spends all this time with Jesus, teaching him how to be a carpenter. And, and so for some reason, we have this picture of Jesus kind of being soft and, and weak, I don't know many carpenters that are built that way, right? I mean, I kind of imagine Jesus with these big calloused hands because he's wielding a hammer all the time. And I imagine him with just these Popeye-sized forearms and ripped back muscles because he's always moving. He's lifting heavy things. I mean, this is the Jesus I picture, the strong guy because he's a carpenter. But there's another part to this. Think about this. Not only does Joseph teach him how to be a carpenter, he also teaches him how to be a businessman. This was their livelihood. And so Joseph's like, hey, Jesus, um, this is where we buy our materials. This is how we buy our materials. Here are the resources. Here are the tools. Hey, hey guess what, Jesus? You've got to think about how are we going to sell this because we've got to make money so that we can eat. And so there's another part we don't normally think about with Jesus about this, this business side to him. I mean, this is a part of his life for probably 20 plus years at least. He's a carpenter. He's a businessman. But at the same time, we look at Jesus and he's, and I think in this moment, giving us some career advice because he says these words, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. I'm pretty sure Jesus was a big picture thinker because you have to be, right? I mean, if you're a carpenter, you're not thinking about, well, how am I going to start here and get to that place? You're, you're thinking about the place, right? You're thinking about the future. You're thinking about the vision of what you're creating. And so then you have to step back and think, what are the steps that I've got to take to get there? What tools do I need? What resources? What are the measurements? What are the cuts? What are the angles? What are the textures going to be? Here's where I want to be, but to get there, there are all these small steps that I need to take. When you and I think about our work world, do we think about it in, in that way? Because we're big thinkers, right? We're, we're in a place in America where so many of us are thinking about the big picture. And so maybe when it comes to something like our prayers, here are the prayers that we pray. God, bless me with more customers. 
God, give me a pay raise. God, give me more people to lead. God, let me be noticed so I can move out of this role. That's big picture stuff. Could it be we need to pray smaller prayers? Or are we praying for the wrong things? Maybe our prayers need to be, God, how can I help the customers I do have? God, how can I be a better leader to the people entrusted to me right now? God, how am I using what I can control to be better at what I do? Look, I get it, because this is me too. I I want the big, awe-inspiring type stuff to happen in, in my life. But Jesus says, look, be faithful with the small things. Be faithful with the small things. And he says, if you're faithful with the small things, if you focus on the small things, then it means you can be faithful in the big things in life. Our principle is, I don't care about the small things. It's all about the big. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you got it backwards. Focus on the important things. Focus on the small things. Be faithful with the small things, unlike the manager in our story. What does that look like for us? What are the small things that you and I can control that say, hey, I am faithful in these small things. And again, if we can be faithful in those small things, at some point in time, those big things will happen. I want to share with you this morning five things that I think when it comes to our work world that we can be faithful in. There's small things that we can do. Some of we've already kind of talked about. Most of these you probably already know, but we really don't focus on them because so many times we're thinking about the bigger picture. Here are the five things that I think are important. And this list, I mean, we could, we could add to this list over and over again, but here's the five I think are important. The first one is, and we talked about this the first week, we can change our attitude. 70% of us here in America are frustrated with our job. Like I said earlier, 4.4 years is what we stay on a job. We have 10 jobs by the time we're 40. And we said that first week, we said our biggest issue is our attitude. Guess what people notice about us pretty quickly in the work world? They notice our attitude. They notice our words. They notice our actions. They notice how we react to certain incidents that happen. And so our attitude plays a huge part in who we are. But you know what? The attitude is something we can control. Our attitude is a small thing that can make a big difference. And so we need to change our attitude. Second thing I would say is we need a stronger work ethic. Some of you are like, dude, what are you talking about? I work hard. The Bureau of Labor Statistics say that the average American works 8.8 hours per day. Uh, UK, in the UK, they did a study a couple years ago, and they found that out of those hours that we work, we're only productive for two hours and 53 minutes. Think about that. Some of you are like, I got that beat. But that's fine if you do. Two hours and 53 minutes. They, they did some more research. And they wanted to find out, well, how are people spending the rest of their time? Here's what they said. They found that people spend about two hours on the Internet. This is every day. Spend 30 minutes every day looking for a new job. All right. Now, this is coming out of England, so this makes sense. 17 minutes making hot drinks. Yep. And then 23 minutes smoking. So there's a lot of smokers that spend a lot of time Uh, I don't know where they came up with that. But anyway, they had more to this list. They were saying, basically, we're not very productive. Our work ethic isn't very strong. So here's my question. How hard do you work at work? How focused are you on the work that you do? Sometimes I think we're kind of like the the manager here. We're just doing enough to get by. We're we're doing enough to keep our job. We're doing enough to, to get paid. Could, could it be one of the small things you and I need to work at is that we, we begin to have a stronger work ethic? And for you, that may mean tomorrow, 
You worked three hours that day. Perfect. Small things make a big difference. And again, a stronger work ethic is one of the ways I think we can do that. Third thing, do good work. I kind of imagine with Jesus and Joseph again that, uh, you know, we, we, Jesus was human, right? And so we, we kind of think, you know, Jesus kind of showed up and his dad's like, hey, I'm a carpenter. And Jesus like, here you go, perfect, right? It's all there. I don't think that's the way it was. I think Jesus was an apprentice to his dad. And so he was probably those moments where Joseph looks at him and was like, dude, what did you just make? We can't sell that. That's horrible. Why didn't you get the resources I need? Why didn't you make that cut the way you were supposed to? I imagine this was a conversation that took place with Jesus and Joseph. And it's pretty simple. Jesus is learning. Now, yeah, I get, he already knew all this stuff, right? But, but you gotta make it look good for, for your earthly dad here. And, and so there's this interaction that's happening where Jesus is learning from his dad. And, and Joseph was probably like, dude, you gotta do some good work. I need you to get better at this. And I imagine that's exactly what took place. Jesus probably made some pretty shoddy work. That's normal. That's what we do when we're in this learning experience. But as we become more experienced, are we actually doing good work? Are we doing the work that we should? Again, are we just doing enough to get by? Again, this is a small thing that you and I can control that can make a big difference. And it shows we're faithful in those little things. The fourth thing I would say, focus on relationships. Uh, the very first week I said that we are in the roles that we're in and God can use us to bless the lives of those around us. What do you know about the people that you work with every single day? Do you know their birth date, their anniversary? Uh, do you know that they've been struggling with their health, that they lost a child? Do you know the date that they lost their spouse? I mean, do you know these, these things about the people that you work with? Because here's what we tend to do, especially in the work world. We find the person who can help us the most. And that's the person that we spend the most time with. That's the person that we get to know. That's the person that we talk to. That's the person we want to hang out with. Because we look at them and say, hey, you can get me to that big picture where I want to be. And yet there's all these other people that we work around that we're with on a consistent basis are you doing the small things to focus on that relationship, to know them, so that God can use you to bless them? Again, it's a small thing that makes a big difference. And then the fifth thing I would say, and again, this goes back to week one, remember who you work for. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as if working for the Lord, not for human masters. You don't work for your boss. You, you don't work for your company. You don't work for your team lead. You don't work for your coworkers. You don't work for your teammate. If you're a follower of Jesus, you work for God. Which means if we are focused on God, then all these other things, they're gonna connect, right? Because we're gonna be so focused on following Jesus that when it comes to our work world, we're gonna impact the lives of others. It's just gonna be a natural piece of, of who you and I are. Again, remember who you work for. It's a small thing that makes a big difference. Jesus says this is important because people are watching. So in your work world, people are watching you. They're watching the small things that you do. Your boss is, the owner is, the coworker, the mail clerk, the janitor, whoever it is, they're watching you and they're looking at those small things. Those small things that make a big difference, one way or the other, good or bad. But there's also a spiritual piece to this too because when we are doing these small things, guess who else is watching? God is watching us. 
And God's like, hey, are you being faithful in the small things? Because if you're being faithful in the small things, and it means, man, you'll be faithful in the big things. And yet we focus so much on the big things in life. Here's what I want us to get out of this morning, though. I believe God is more interested in our character than our career path. God is more interested in our character than our career path. We're interested in our career path, but if you think about that, that's about me. That, that's about who I want to be. Those are the desires that I have, the wants that, that I have deep down inside. This is the place that I want to be. Here's the big picture. I don't know that God's really interested in that part about us. I think God's interested in our character. And, and there's a difference here because there's people that are really competent, Right? And you know these people, in a setting like this, you probably work for some very competent people, but what we know about competent people sometimes is they don't have a very good character. And when the character and the competency aren't fit, when there's not a connection there, competent people hurt other people. We've seen this in the the business world, Enron, Goldman Sachs. We see this in the military. We see this in our politicians. We see it, you probably see it in the office that you work in. I'm not afraid to say that in the church world, we are seeing this over and over right now with with people who are my role, senior pastors, lead pastors at churches, where where we've gotten to this place like these people are competent, we're gonna follow them, but there's a flaw there, it's the character piece. And you know where I think character comes from? Character comes from the small things. It comes from the small things that we focus on. If we can be faithful in those small things, if we can build that character, if we can be people of character, Again, God's not going to worry about a career path. It's just going to, going, to, going to happen. Jesus is like, be faithful in the small things because if you can be faithful in those small things, if you can be a person full of character, those bigger things, they'll come. Some point, some way, somehow, may not be exactly what you're looking for, or you think or are hoping for, but there'll be some kind of blessing that will be there because you're faithful with the small things. And that's why I believe God is more interested in our character than our career path. What small things do you need to focus on? What are the small things in, in who you are, who I am, that you and I, we can begin to focus on that are going to make a big difference? What, what are the small things that we can be faithful with that God will look at us and say, hey, you're faithful with the small things. You know what? You're going to be faithful in the big things too. We, we don't want to be the manager. I mean, maybe he got another job, but you know what? My guess is he's going to be the same person over and over again because he's so focused on his career path. There's not a whole lot of character there. And so what does our character look like and how can God use that? Who we are through those small things to make the biggest difference. What are those small things that you can focus on as your Monday begins to be different? And to be who God has created you to be in the places that we work. So that, again, through those small things, we can bless others through God. This morning, like every single Sunday here at The Journey, we take communion as a church community. These are small things, aren't they? We we got this small piece of compressed bread, gluten-free if you need it, of course. And then we've got these, these small cups. But, but these small things symbolize some, some big, big things. And in fact, I, I go back to the night that Jesus is hanging out with his disciples and he's talking to them and he's like, hey, here's a little bit of bread. This is my body. 
here's this juice, this is, this, this is my, my blood. And then I wonder if that moment, they, in fact, I don't think they really comprehended. I think they were probably like, oh, this is just part of our, our dinner celebration. That's kind of neat. But it wasn't until a couple of days later, three days later, where they finally realized, well, now I see the importance of this. It may have been small in the moment, but it actually was very big. 